if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, the beauty of the gospel is that God has saved us. He's freed us from the power and the penalty of sin. He's put us in Christ, who's now our life. So we gather together, surrender our lives, say, our lives are yours, and we're your servants. It's not radical version of Christianity. This is biblical Christianity. It's what it means to be a follower of Christ. We don't call the shots. He calls the shots. The Radical Together Podcast, with teaching from David Platt. And thanks for joining us for another episode of Radical Together. Now, if you want to listen to previous episodes, you can get those on iTunes or online at Radical.net. Now, today, David's message is from Matthew 6, and it's entitled, Fasting from Food to Feast on God. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, let me invite you to find Matthew chapter 6. And what I want us to do is pick up where we left off a couple of podcasts ago. So we paused in the last podcast episode to think about countering culture, how the gospel compels us to address the most significant social issues in the world around us. And in light of some things I've written recently, as well as an upcoming secret church, just trying to think through why we must apply the gospel to the most pressing social issues around us in our culture. But where we were before that, where I want us to go back to, is we were walking through, just thinking together about daily time in prayer and time in the Word and communion with God and things that I think we oftentimes assume in our Christian lives, that we just all have a good understanding of, of what time in prayer might look like on a daily basis, what time in the Word might look like on a daily basis, but hopefully those podcast episodes encouraging you along those lines when it comes to just growing every day to love God more and more with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength through time alone with him. And I want to spring from that into one other spiritual discipline related to prayer and the word that I'm convinced has been totally forgotten in many of our lives as Christians today and in much of the church today. And that discipline is is fasting. I've been in my time in the Word uh, over the last uh, couple of months, have spent some time in Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther, and I've been struck in a fresh way at the role of fasting in each of these books and in each of these people's lives, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, when you look at Nehemiah in the very beginning of Nehemiah chapter one, it says, as soon as Nehemiah heard about the walls of Jerusalem broken down and the suffering of the people of God there, it says he sat down and wept and he mourned for days and he continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. It says he did that for days. You look at the at the time frame of what's happening in the book of Nehemiah, you realize this probably lasted for about four months. Not that he was fasting that entire four months. Maybe he was in some way, but for for months he was intentionally fasting and praying. And he did that before he acted at all in the book of Nehemiah. Same thing with Ezra. Before Ezra led God's people back to Jerusalem in the first place, he declared a fast to pray for the protection of God's people. Same thing that Esther did in the book after Nehemiah. She was facing the impending annihilation of the Jews, major personal risk in her own life. And what did she do? First thing she did is she called all the Jews to fast for three days alongside her before she approached the king. So those are three stories that I just read in my own time with the Lord, just back to back to back in the Bible, of people who knew what it was like to take bold steps and make bold moves for the glory of God, but they were not about to do that apart from continual, 
desperate prayer and fasting. I've been challenged in my own life, my own leadership in the IMB to call the brothers and sisters who are part of the IMB to fast and pray to regular prayer and fasting. And, and so just out of the overflow of that, I want to speak to what is somewhat of a foreign spiritual discipline. I'm guessing to many people who are even listening to this podcast, or maybe if it's not foreign, the tendency is for it to be forgotten. Uh, like other disciplines that we see in Scripture, you think about a discipline like solitude, and we're such busy, busy people. And so getting alone with God, like we've been talking about in these, these podcast episodes, or like we see in Nehemiah or Elijah in 1 Kings 17 by a brook, or Jesus even, going aside to spend time with the Father. So solitude like that is so foreign to us. I think fasting is similar. Um so what I want to do is I want to just start here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, when Jesus has is teaching about, about praying, and then he's teaching about fasting. And I want you to, and giving, all three together in this part of the Sermon on the Mount. And I just want you to notice verse 16 in Matthew chapter 6. So we're just going to read this, the first part of this verse, really, and then let it spring us into thinking biblically as a whole about fasting. I hope toward the end that you might be encouraged to to make fasting a regular part of your relationship with Christ. So look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, and notice what Jesus says. He says, and when you fast. And then he goes on to give instructions about, about how you fast, not for the approval of others, not to be seen by others, but in order to know God more. And your father sees what is done in secret rewards you. But what I want you to notice is that he says, not if you fast. If at some point in your Christian life you fast. But instead he says, when you fast. In other words, and you put it together with the context, what we were looking about, looking at in prayer, what we, what we see in giving in Matthew chapter 6, you look in that chapter, you see that fasting is coupled there with praying and giving. And just as we are expected to give in our relationship with Christ, and just as we're expected to pray in our relationship with Christ, we are expected to fast. So, so this is as basic as praying and giving. So why is it not basic among us today? So let, let's start back and just think together. When he says, when you fast, what is he talking about? Well, here's what fasting is in its essence. It's Fasting is periodically putting aside food, maybe even food and water, but putting aside food as a physical expression of a spiritual reality. So it's an expression that more than our bodies are dependent on food, our lives, our souls are dependent on God. So when we fast, when you set aside a meal not to eat, maybe breakfast, lunch, dinner, maybe you set aside a day not to eat, maybe longer than that, a few days, a week or more, when you do that, you're fasting. And what you're saying is, what's most important in my life is not physical nourishment. So more than I need food, I need God. More than I need anything in this world, even the most basic things that my body requires, more than that, I need God. So fasting is intended to be a physical reminder of that spiritual reality. 
It's a reminder to us what Jesus said just a couple chapters before this in Matthew chapter 4. Remember when he was being tempted in the desert and he, he was fasting and he's tempted to eat and he says, we don't live. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, we're sustained by God far before we're sustained by food. And fasting reminds us that more than our bodies need strength, and nourishment from food. Our souls need strength and nourishment from God. It's like saying saying with the psalmist in Psalm 73, God, you are the strength of my heart. You're, You're my strength. We say in fasting, oh God, there's nothing I can do apart from your strength. Fasting, a physical expression of that spiritual reality. When we're fasting, we're saying, God, we're weak without you more than we need food. We need your power and your presence in our lives. And it's interesting. So we're seeing Jesus talk about fasting here. And then we see, and we're going we're gonna to mention a couple other places where Jesus talks about fasting. But then you get to the book of Acts, for example, and you see the early church, the church that's in its infant form. And you see the way they're fasting and how God uses fasting in the church. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 through 4, talks about different prophets and teachers who were worshiping the Lord and fasting together in the church in Antioch. And while they were fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And so it's in the context of fasting that God calls out these missionaries to go out from Antioch to go to the nations with the gospel that would turn the Roman world upside down. It happened because they were fasting. And then it says, after the Spirit said that, after fasting and praying for them, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And so they sent them off with fasting and praying. And this is not just for somebody to say, well, I don't know if everybody's ready to think about fasting. That's kind of a more mature spiritual discipline once you've really grown in your relationship with, with God. But you look at Acts chapter 14, verse 23, and you see that as soon as Paul started a church, so disciples have been made, a church was being formed. It says they appointed elders in every church and with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. This was a fundamental part of their church planting strategy was fasting. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Just as we think about this, about fasting, I want to encourage you to begin thinking about your life over the next week, over the next couple weeks, and think about a time where, where you might deliberately miss a meal or a day of eating. And instead of eating, to spend that time in concentrated moments in prayer and the Word. So to take what we've talked about in previous podcasts when it comes to prayer and the Word and to say, okay, I'm actually going to take aside a meal or three meal times in a day, and instead of eating food, I'm going to spend concentrated time in prayer and in the Word. So, when you have that time, while you're fasting, here's how I want to encourage you to pray based on what Scripture teaches about fasting. So, four primary prayers that I would encourage you to let guide this time in fasting. So, first prayer. You might write these down and just use them as a guide in in your time in breakfast, lunch, dinner, where you put aside food. Instead of food, you're praying. You've got the Word in front of you. What are you expressing to God? Well, first prayer you're expressing to God is, Oh God, I delight in your glory. So, practically, this is the point of fasting. To set aside food to spend this time to say, 
First and foremost, God, I delight in your glory. To say to God, more than you delight in food, you delight in God. You put aside lunch for a day and you pray and you read the word instead of eating a sandwich. And in so doing, you're saying, more than I enjoy a sandwich, I enjoy just being with you. More than I want this piece of fruit or that candy bar. So here's the deal. You'll get a craving for food when you're fasting. You'll get a craving for this or that type of food or whatever it is that's good. You let that craving drive you to say to God, well, more than I want that, I want you. More than I enjoy good food, oh God, I just enjoy being with you. So see how fasting is a physical expression of a spiritual reality. As you're fasting, you're saying to God, God, I delight in your glory. You're joining with the psalmist in Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh Faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power, your glory, your steadfast love is better than life. So my lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I'll lift up my hands. And listen to what the psalmist says. He says, my soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. foods, And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. This is the picture. You're saying to God, I enjoy you. More than I enjoy anything this world has to offer me. My soul is more satisfied in you than it is with the best food. And so as you spend this time fasting, just spend time worshiping God and enjoying God. And this is so important because many times when we picture fasting, we picture this somber spiritual discipline that makes us sad. And there's, there's pictures of that in scripture that we're going to get to, but it doesn't have to be that way. When Zechariah, for example, calls a fast in the Old Testament, he calls fasting a season of joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. And it makes sense, right? When you put aside food and you say there's something better than food, just being with God, then all of a sudden, fasting from food becomes feasting on God. So pray like this. Pray, God, I delight in your glory. David will be back to finish his message in just a minute, but we'd like to take this opportunity and invite you to be a part of an event we call Secret Church. Now, Secret Church is an evening of intense Bible study and prayer for the persecuted church based on time David spent teaching in underground house churches in Asia. This year, David will be teaching on a topic entitled Christ, Culture, and a Call to Action. In David's newest book, Counterculture, he addresses some of the most pressing issues of our day like poverty, same-sex marriage, racism, abortion, and pornography. And at Secret Church, we're going to dive deeper into the Word of God concerning these issues. David will help us answer the question, how does God's Word affect how we live and respond as individuals and as the church? And we want to invite you to join tens of thousands of other believers from around the world for the Secret Church simulcast on Friday, April 24th. Even if you cannot join us that evening, you can access the recording of the entire event for 30 days through your simulcast account. To find out more or to register for the Secret Church simulcast, visit secretchurch.org. Now here's David with the rest of today's message. So that's first prayer. I would encourage you to pray as you set aside time to fast. Second, to pray, oh God, I need your grace. So God, I delight in your glory. And then second, as you fast to pray, God, I need your grace. So often in the Old Testament, places like Joel 1, Joel 2, you see fasting associated with times of confession and repentance of sin. 
Joel one fourteen. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land of the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Same thing in Joel two fifteen through sixteen. Blow the trump trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. And this is so. This is part of the purpose of fasting to confess sin, to cry out to the Lord for His mercy, to ask God to purify your hearts. This is definitely part of why Nehemiah was fasting. When you look back at Nehemiah chapter 1, you look at his prayer, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 6, he starts confessing, we've sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned against you. We've acted very corruptly against you. We've not kept your commandments and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Same thing in Ezra. You look at Ezra chapter 10, verse 6, it says, Ezra withdrew from from before the house of God, went to the chamber where he spent the night, neither eating bread nor drinking water, for he was mourning over the faithlessness of the exiles. So when you're fasting, you might say, okay, well, what do I do instead of eating? And here's one answer. You spend time confessing your sin and your need for God's grace. You might say, okay, well, if I fast all day and I spend time confessing in the morning during breakfast, then what do I do during lunch? And the answer is, confess some more. Fasting provides a great opportunity for self-examination that takes time. I'm confident that as Nehemiah was fasting for many different days, this sense of confession and sorrow over sin only, only deepened over those days. And I am confident That if you fast for a whole day and you spend time in confession during dinner, just like you did during breakfast, there's going to be a greater sensitivity to things in your heart and your life that you may not have seen at breakfast. Likewise, if you were to fast for multiple days, there's things that the Lord will uncover in your heart on day three that you didn't see on day one. Now, you might be tempted to say, well, this sounds depressing, but it's not depressing when you realize you're fasting before the God who loves to dispense mercy. He loves you so much. So that's that's what you're saying when you fast. You're saying, God, more than I need a meal, I need your love, I need your mercy, and you've given it to me in Christ. So again, fasting becomes feasting. You're feasting on the mercy of God that you need in your life. So that's what I want to encourage you to pray as you fast to pray god i need your grace i delight in your glory just spend time worshiping him and then to say god i need your grace more than i need a meal right now i need your mercy in my life third prayer to pray god i delight in your glory god i need your grace you set aside this time to fast to then pray god i submit to your will god i submit to your will So oftentimes, God's people fast in Scripture when a decision needs to be made. And people are seeking God to know what He desires them to do. Without question, that's part of what's happening in Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. You think about Daniel, too. He's pleading to God for wisdom in light of what was happening among God's people in history. And in my own life, I spent uh, a weekend just alone in solitude and in fasting when I was considering asking my wife to marry me. Even over the last year, as I've made a a pretty major transition in my life, just regular fasting in the process of making that decision, saying, God, more than I want food, I want to do your will. What do you want me to do? And and so you're seeking guidance from God. Now, you you may be in a, a place in your life where you're making a major decision, but even if you're not, 
to say, God, more than I need food, I want to obey your will. I need to obey your kingdom come, your will be done in my life today, this week, as it is in heaven. So when we fast, we're saying, God, I want to obey you. I want to follow you. I want to yield to you. So you get that craving for food. You think, I want a burger. But then immediately you say, but more than I want my hunger to cease right now, I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done in my life. And that's so important. None of us knows what the rest of today holds, much less the rest of this week, the rest of this month, year ahead. We don't know what it holds, but we do know the one who holds our times in his hands. And so in fasting, we say, I submit to your will. Whatever you want for me, for my life, for my marriage, for my family, for my future, I yield to you. I am yours. So as, as you fast, you're praying Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my life as it is in heaven, in my family as it is in heaven. So third prayer to pray, God, I submit to your will. And then, final prayer I would encourage you to pray as you fast. So pray, God, I delight in your glory. I need your grace. I submit to your will. And then part of the purpose of fasting is to express to God, Lord, Lord, I long for your return. This is specifically in light of what Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 9, that when you set aside time to fast, you've got that breakfast, lunch, or dinner where you've put aside food and or the day or the days you put aside food, make part of your prayer. Lord Jesus, I long for your return. Listen to what Jesus says about fasting in Matthew 9, verse 14 through 15. The disciples of Jesus came to, to, of John came to Jesus. You can turn over just a few pages there in your Bible if you've still got it in front of you. We're in Matthew 6, Matthew 9, 14 and 15. The disciples of John came to Jesus and they said, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Let me repeat that again. I want to make sure you catch this. Jesus said, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is gone, taken away from them. That's when they will fast. In other words, Jesus said, you don't fast while the bride and the bridegroom are together. You fast when the bridegroom leaves and you're longing for his return. You fast because there's an ache, there's a longing, there's a hunger inside of you. Because Christ is not here as fully and intimately and powerfully and gloriously as we want him to be. And we want more. We want his fullness with us. We want his fullness in the world. So fasting, follow this, is a physical expression that more than our stomachs long to be full, our souls long to see Christ. So you get that craving. Your stomach's grumbling, making all kinds of noises, saying, I want food. And when that happens, you pray, but far more than I want to eat food, Jesus, I want to see you. So fasting is intricately connected to a longing for the return of Christ. And here's what's so humbling about that then, about a lack of fasting. So follow this. If fasting is a physical expression of our spiritual longing for Christ's return, we want to see him. We want to see him usher in a new heaven and a new earth. 
to wipe every tear from our eyes. We want to see his face, Revelation 22. So here's the deal. If we're not fasting, then what we're saying, according to what Jesus is teaching in Matthew 9, if we're not fasting, then what we're saying is that we are content with Jesus not coming back. We're saying we're content with what we have in this world. Instead of praying, God, I'm not content with this world. Now, not in a biblical sense of saying, yes, you're content in Christ, but in the sense of saying, you look around in the world, you see evil, and you see sin, and you see suffering, and you see cancer, and you see sex trafficking, and you see broken homes, and you see the pain and the suffering around you, and you say, I'm not content with this. Jesus, please come back and put an end to this. Put an end to sin and suffering and death in the world. Come back to this world of sin and suffering. Consummate the salvation you came to bring. And then this is where fasting just connects totally with the Great Commission. But Jesus said, Matthew 24, 14, This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. So Matthew 28, 19-20, Go and make disciples of all nations. And knowing that Revelation 5, 9 and 10 promises there's coming a day when every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, Revelation 5, Revelation 7, will gather around the throne of Christ and sing His praises as He comes back for His people. And so what we're doing when we're fasting is we're saying, God, bring this about. Bring the nations to know You. That's what we're praying Bring the nations, the, this great commission to completion, return to receive the prize of a people that you've purchased for God, Revelation chapter 5. And so when you set aside time to fast, you say to God, I want, I want to see that reality. Lord Jesus, come back. Bring the nations to know you. You know, I, uh, I got a, a note recently from... Uh, one of the brothers who's serving with the IMB in Asia. And uh, I had encouraged uh, brothers and sisters serving the IMB just to commit to regular fasting. And so I get this note back after that. And uh, and the person wrote to me and said, Hey, David, I want to send you a quick note to thanking, thank you for asking us to fast. I fasted on Monday in Asia. In addition to lifting up some things that we're walking through as an organization, I prayed for our New Year outreach to migrant workers. To make a long story short, God brought many amazing things together. And before I broke my fast Monday night, two Muslims came to faith and were baptized. This is more fruit than we've seen in many months in this part of the world. And I've decided indeed to make fasting a regular discipline. So please lift up these two brothers in their new faith in Christ. And he sends me a picture of these two now Muslim background believers who have come to faith in Christ. And I, I read that and I thought, that's it. This is why we fast and we pray. Because we delight in His glory. We need His grace. We want to submit to His will. And we want to see His Son. And as we pray, as we set aside food and say, there's things more important to us than even the basic daily necessity of food that there's something more that our soul wants. That when we do that, God hears us, God is honored, He's worshipped, and He's glorified by this, and He responds to our prayers and our fasting. Just look at what happened 
Ezra, in Nehemiah, in Esther, in Elijah, in Joel, and on and on and on. Jesus showing us an example, the church doing this in the book of Acts. We cannot forget, neglect this spiritual discipline. And so let me encourage you, based on Jesus' expectation that his disciples fast, to set aside a time over the next week. Would you just set aside a time over the next week where you take a day or maybe even just a meal and instead of eating for that day or instead of eating for that meal to spend concentrated time in prayer and the word to express delight in God's glory, dependence on God's grace, to cry out in submission to his will and express your longing to see the return of Christ and I trust that when your father sees what is done in secret he will reward you thank you for joining us today we hope this podcast is an encouragement to you and if you'd like more information on David's latest book counterculture visit counterculturebook.com additional resources from David's ministry can be found at radical.net There you can find sermons, secret church resources, and more. And if you'd like to learn more about the International Mission Board, you can do that by visiting imb.org. As always, we're glad you tuned in. Join us next time for more teaching from David right here on the Radical Together podcast.